All right. Good morning. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. My name is Dwayne, and today is October the 14th, and we are continuing to work our way through the book of Acts together. Um, the other day, we, let's see, we got down through chapter number 23, uh, verses 1, 1 through 11. So let's go ahead and take a look at, um, at the text here, Acts 23. Uh, Paul is standing before the council. Remember the Roman centurion had, uh, the Roman captain had placed him there. Um, and uh, just get a little context here. Uh, Paul, uh, the Roman Tribune now, Paul is before the council. And then chapter number 23, And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I've lived in all good conscience before God unto this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded them that he should, that he should be smitten on the face. Um, and then Paul said unto them, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall, for thou saidest to judge after me after the law. And you turn around and command me to be smitten contrary to the law. And they that stood by said, Revilest thou God's high priest? And then Paul said, I wist not, brethren, that he was the high priest. For it is written, Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other part were Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee of the hope of the resurrection of the dead, am I called into question? Now, here we see, of course, Paul was a Pharisee, and uh, he quickly realized that he was surrounded by both Pharisees and Sadducees, and he knew that the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. So he set out to divide them <laughs> purposely. So he says... Um, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope of the resurrection of the dead, am I called in the question. And of course, the resurrection of the dead is referring to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And when he had so said, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and Sadducees, and the multitude was divided. Of course, this immediately set them at odds with each other, because um, one the Pharisees believed in the afterlife, heaven, hell, spirits. Uh, the Sadducees did not. Uh, for the Sadducees say there is no resurrection, angels, spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. And there arose a great cry, and the scribes that were with the Pharisees part arose and strove, saying, We find no evil in this man, but if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him, let us not fight against God. So immediately they took sides with Paul because he was in agreement with them. Isn't that the truth? Um, we find ourselves at home with the people who agree with us, um, or else we wouldn't be there. Um, what is the, uh, um, you want to tell, you want to know what a person's like, just look at their friends. You know, we hang around people who I always, I always when I talk to young people, talk about how that, uh, we like people who are like us, period. You know, I hang, I like you because you like me. Um, you're like me. That's why I like you. Uh, like is very different than love. Love, agape uh, love is an unconditional love, regardless of what you like, regardless of if you're like me or not. I'm commanded to love you. 
But um, so there's a difference between like and love. Uh, one is conditional. The other is supposed to be unconditional. So um, they immediately liked Paul uh, because he was like them. <clears throat> and there arose a great dissension and the chief captain. Now he's the hero of the moment. He has been there for Paul. Other than that little, uh, you know, beating that he gave him, uh, this guy has been uh, a friend of Paul. Uh, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and bring him into the castle. So once again, he's having to deliver Paul from the Jews who, you know, had a, had a strange way of killing people that disagreed with them. Uh, you remember previously, they ripped off their clothes, they threw things into the air, <laughs> you know, they were throwing dirt. I mean, they, they wanted to tear Paul apart, away with this man. Um, definitely emotional. Uh, and the night uh, following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, as for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness of me in Rome. So once again, the Lord... Um, comes alongside Paul, and, and of course this is the Lord Jesus Christ, comes alongside of Paul and assures him that he's going to be okay. Just as he had delivered him safely to Jerusalem uh, to bear testimony of him, so he was going to deliver him to Rome to bear testimony in Rome as well. And then we come upon a plot to kill Paul at this point, in uh, verse number 12, And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. And understand, these are unbelieving Jews that are doing this. Uh, many times <clears throat> when we read church history or we look at church history, even through a sacred Lens, we tend to bunch all of the Jews <clears throat> together. That's not true. The Jews, just like us today, there were many who believed. There were many who responded positively to the, to the kingdom gospel. And, of course, there were many who rejected it, uh, just like today. But it was the unbelieving Jews that were giving Paul such a hard time. They were the ones, as you remember, came down from Asia. They were the ones that made the accusations um, against him. Uh, now, when Paul had initially come down in Jerusalem and he talked to James and the elders, uh, they said, listen, you know, we're going to make this right. We know you've taken a vow. Take these four guys, go into the temple and let the believing Jews know that you are still teaching uh, the law of Moses. You're not teaching against circumcision or the customs. But it was the unbelieving Jews that had come down from Asia that immediately came in and made all these accusations that he was teaching against the law of Moses and he was teaching them not to circumcise their children and he was teaching them to walk contrary to the customs that had been handed down and that he had went into the temple with a Greek and defiled the temple. And of course, we know all of that is wrong. It's, 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 it's incorrect. It wasn't true. Paul wasn't doing that. And the, very, and the very fact that we can say Paul wasn't doing that, then why was Paul teaching the law of Moses still? Because he was still, the kingdom gospel was still very much on the table. You see how we get divided and confused today in the church? Um, 
So when it was day, certain of them banded together. And they said, we're going to kill him. We're not going to eat anything. We're not going to drink anything until this guy is dead. So once again, just like back in Acts 18, 9 through 10, uh, the Lord steps in, offers him encouragement because he knows what's, what's getting ready to come down the pike at him again. And they were more than 40 which had made this conspiracy. And they came to the chief priests and the elders and they said, we have bound ourselves under a great curse that we will eat nothing until we have slain Paul. Now notice they didn't go to James, they didn't go to the elders, they didn't go to the believing. They went to the chief priests, they went to the elders and said this. Now therefore ye with the council signify, in other words, give a sign to the chief captain that he bring him down to you tomorrow. As though, as if, you were going to inquire something more perfectly concerning him, and we, or ever he come near, will kill him. Okay? So they are after him again. Now remember, he, like Peter, like Stephen, uh, is being accused. Uh, they have accused the nation of Israel of rejecting their Messiah. Remember when Paul was standing before them, and they heard him until this word. What word was that? It was the word Gentile. As soon as he said Gentile, they knew what he was doing. He was accusing them of rejecting and crucifying their Messiah and that now it was going to go to the Gentiles. He, is, he, is, he preached the same message that Peter and Stephen had preached, that the nation was turning their back on their Messiah. And that's what it and that's what they were doing. And it angered them that they were going that they were the ones being accused of rejecting and killing this innocent man who was indeed the Son of God. It was not a popular message. Uh, you know, we live in a day too where, you know, when we speak the truth, it's not popular. Nobody wants to hear the truth today. You know, for years, you know, we have taught in our school systems uh, that there is no absolute truth. Uh, you have your truth and I have my truth. I had some little snotty college kid tell me that one time on a secular campus. And I asked him, he said, there's no absolute truth. And I asked him, I said, are you absolutely sure? I mean, even the statement that there's no absolute truth is a statement that there's absolute truth. You know, I mean, they contradict themselves and blaspheme, as Paul accused the Jews of doing. Um, there is absolute truth, and I am absolutely sure of that. And the world doesn't want to hear that. You know, the world wants to, you know, I was talking to some whack job the other night about Sodom and Gomorrah and why God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And again, they try to spin the scriptures to justify, um, you know, the culture in which we live. We're not here to justify the culture in, with, in which we live. Why? Because the culture in which we live is sinful. And God has condemned sin. And we need to speak the truth. I don't think we need to go out on a limb purposefully to be offensive. But we do need to speak the truth when asked. I looked him in the eye and I said, I said, you're wrong. You know, you need to go back and study that again. Uh, again, we try to pivot. We try to stay away from the controversial issues of Scripture. Uh, and that's not right. I don't think we should lead out in the conversation with those things. But as those things are being dragged into the light, I think we should address them. And we should address them truthfully and scripturally and stop trying to wrest the scriptures to our own destruction to justify the culture that we live in. 
Okay. I could give an altar call after that, but I'm, I'm done. Uh, Paul wasn't preaching a popular message, and neither are we, by the way. The gospel is not popular uh, at all, and it's becoming less and less popular every day, even in the church. Uh, the vast majority of the church today, guys, do not does not preach the gospel. They preach everything but the gospel. Um, then notice in verse number 16, And when Paul's sister's son heard of their lying in wait, he went and entered into the castle and told Paul. So this would have been Paul's nephew. Um, I was reading the other day, again, I, I go down these little uh, rabbit trails about Machiavelli. Uh, Machiavelli said that in order for a conspiracy to be successful, it must pass through all three stages. Initiation, the plot itself, and the period after the, after the plot. Okay, so in order for a conspiracy to be successful, it must it must go through initiation, the plot itself, and the period after the plot, which makes sense. I mean, you gotta, you know, you gotta initiate the plot, you gotta execute the plot, and then you gotta be careful after the plot that no one knows you did it. Okay, conspiracies, he said. Uh, fail because so few can navigate all three stages successfully. Conspirators who wish to succeed should keep silent about their intentions until the last possible moment. The first and safest, the first, the safest, and to tell the truth, the only remedy against being discovered is not to allow the fellow conspirators time to give information against you and to tell them of your plan only when you are ready to act and not before. Okay. Well, obviously, they did not follow the Machiavellian method because the conspirators the news leaked. <laughs> okay. Of course, they're going to the priests. They're going to the elders. They're telling everybody about what they're getting ready to do. Of course, Machiavelli did not write these words until the 1500s, so they were not aware of these pitfalls. So, obviously, their conspiracy was made known, and they were getting ready to be exposed. Uh, then notice in verse number 17, Then Paul called one of the centurions unto him and said, Bring this young man, and understand this was Paul's nephew, uh, into, unto the chief captain. So here's our hero again. For he hath a certain thing to tell him. And so he took him and brought him to the chief captain and said, Paul the prisoner called me unto him and prayed me to bring this young man unto thee who hath something to say unto thee. And then the chief captain took him by the hand and went with him aside privately and asked him, What is it the, that thou hast to tell me? And he said, The Jews have agreed and desire thee that thou wouldest bring down Paul tomorrow into the council, as though they would inquire somewhat of him more perfectly. But do not yield unto them, for there they lie in wait for him of them more than forty men, which have bound themselves with an oath that they will either eat nor drink until they have killed him. And now they are ready, looking for a promise from thee. So the chief captain 
Then let the young man depart, and charged him, See thou tell no man that thou hast showed these things to me. So fortunately for Paul, and of course God's providence, no doubt, his nephew was able to bring the captain up to date in regards to the conspiracy and exactly what they were planning to do. Amazing how God used this captain in Paul's life. Personally, it's hard to believe that he will not be in heaven. <laughs> as much time as he spent with Paul, I can't help but think that Paul had some kind of influence on him. Um, maybe he was a believer in what Paul was uh, expressing and teaching. You know, I mean, it's just hard to believe that this guy just was there so often for him and um, just something to think about. I, I, I just would not be surprised if this, if this Roman is in heaven uh, today. Uh, so just something to think about. Uh, that's our time for today. I sure do appreciate you guys. Uh, uh, I hope you, Lori, I see you. I see Matt. God bless you. I hope y'all have a great day. And, um, tomorrow, uh, we'll get into the response. Of course, now it's upon the shoulders of the Roman centurion to thwart this plan, uh, to kill Paul. And so he's going to put together a big, huge escort. He's going to write a letter, and he's going to get this guy before the the Roman governor. So we'll talk about th that tomorrow. God bless you. Hope you all have a great day. And Lord willing, I'll see you tomorrow morning at 630.